Everybody and welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. I'm Sam Wilson. Joining me as always, Zach Schneider and Troy Hinsley. Today we're going to be reviewing Spider-Man Three. In the words of Michael Scott, "Oh my God, it's happening!" <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this is the third Spider-Man movie in the Sam Raimi trilogy. First, Zach, how you doing today? Doing great. Uh, spent all last uh, week hanging out with my little brother, uh, which was really cool. I hadn't seen him in a while, and uh, yeah, that uh, had a fairly calm week in which I learned to. Uh, Spend a little time watching movies and realize uh, that I really dislike that one popular Zelda game. I don't like it very much. It's not good. <laughs> the other games in the series are, but this one, I, yeah, it's not my taste. Yeah. Bean! Bam! Troy, how you doing? I am doing great. My uh, show, Three Funny Dudes... I'm shamelessly plugging it again before and after, you know, on both ends. Uh, spit roasting three funny dudes, if I may. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good Saturday night. Uh, it, ha- <laughs> uh, it has been approved for a SAG project, so we're moving right along with that. I will have a celebrity guest, and once I get the contract signed, I will release which celebrity guest will be on it in November. Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, I've been pretty good as well. Uh, yeah, Zach, it was good to see uh, your your brother Ben. Yeah, he's a friend of mine as well, so it was good to see him. I just got back from Gen Con up in Indianapolis as well, which I used to go to every year. The last time I went to it was 2018. Missed out on 2019 because I went on a different vacation instead, and in 2020, there there was no in-person Gen Con. <laughs> Again, there was a virtual Gen Con, which I didn't really do, but it was the first, uh, yeah, they're back to being in person. It was a lot of fun. I had, had a good time playing playing a lot of great, fun games. Very, very good time. Oh, I meant to tell you guys, I'll, I'll kind of say this on air, that I listened to the uh, Candyman episode that you guys did yesterday, and I Boy. thought that... You got, I thought you guys did a really good job with it. I kind of wish that I had Thank actually you. been on the episode now because, like, I just have a quote-unquote dissenting opinion because I would have been the one that did not give it a 10. I still would have given oh. it, like, a solid 8, though. I would have given it, like, a solid 8, probably. It's like, I thought it was a good movie, but I just, I didn't think it well, was quite you. the yeah. perfect film. <laughs> we missed you. We yeah, missed we, you. we did sincerely miss you. Absolutely. No, it was it was fun to get to listen to it just as a, as a listener, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I did enjoy the new Candyman, and I enjoyed listening to you guys talk about it. Well, we're just actually going to slide right into Spider-Man 3. Not a whole lot of significant news as of recording, so we're just going to go right into Spider-Man 3. Spoilers start here for Spider-Man 2. Let's talk about kind of the Peter and Mary Jane storylines. I don't know, like, what do you guys think? Like, this movie starts right off the bat. You know, Spider-Man 2 is like, he's just having a terrible time. Everyone in the city hates him. He's struggling to pay rent, go to school. This movie starts off right off the bat. Things are great for me, guys. Things are so much better than they were. I don't know, what did you guys guys think of the fact that the movie just starts like that, weirdly? How did he get there? that's, That's something I kept thinking during the entire opening of the movie. Is like, okay, so... Things are going great. You're doing great at your classes. You're doing okay at your job. You're making a little more money. You're popular as Spider-Man. How did literally any of that happen? It's not explained. He's still working the bugle job 
which as far as I can tell hasn't really changed at all. He's still balancing both being Spider-Man and being a regular person, and also balancing being a good boyfriend for Mary Jane now, now that he's in that committed relationship. It would have been nice if there was like even a little tiny hint as to how he got there, but I don't know, I have mixed feelings on it, because I do appreciate that they're changing the status quo to get us into a different space, but A, it's a status quo that's very unfamiliar for Spider-Man in general, and B, again, there's no indication of how he found that equilibrium whatsoever. Even Not even something along the lines of, yeah, Mary Jen's been helping. Nope, none of that. Yeah, I kind of agree with you in that sense. <sighs> I like that he's happy. I like that he's put forth this effort to be stronger, to get things together. I think that a lot of stress was released off of him because Mary Jane knows he's Spider-Man, so mm -hmm. he's able to unload with someone. However, I think that's where he messes up because he doesn't become the person that she can unload to. He doesn't become the person that she feels like she can talk to. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we have, we have the brains of little 14-year-olds here. Just, every time we're saying the word load, it's, it's going in the right, very wrong direction. <laughs> As they're unloading to each other. Oh my... <laughs> so every time every time they start having sex he hears the sirens he's like oh sorry <laughs> gotta go <laughs> i think that this is a good setup to be the unhappy peter where he eventually gets a divorce from Mary Jane, and he's successful, but not successful. So I think I would have liked to have seen another trilogy done like this, just to see where he would have ended up. Because I think that that would have been the universe where he was unhappy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, into the Spider-Verse. Um, I'm not, I'm not really say, talking this, about... This is Peter on the way to becoming Peter B. Parker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm not really pushing for No Way Home. I don't know whether the other two Spider-Mans were will be on there or not. I'm not pushing for that. But I do think that he was well on the way of being unhappy because I like to pretend that Venom was not in this and in another world we got that Venom trilogy that Sam Raimi like wanted to do. But it didn't happen like that. So but that's what this beginning reminds me of, of being that Peter B. Parker. Yeah, I think what it is, I think the, what they wanted to do was to have him start the movie in an up position so that he could be brought down. Mm. I yes. think that that's really what it comes down to. Exactly. And I agree with you, Zach, that I think that it would have been nice to have seen more of a narrative justification for why things are going well for him. But like at the same time, like Spider-Man 1 is all about somebody being, uh, it's, it's a coming of age story. It's mm. about someone on the cusp of adulthood mm. who's becoming a, a, an adult. Spider-Man 2 is all about navigating young adulthood and having those early struggles. Spider-Man 3, from the beginning, feels like it's about when you kind of reach that point where things might not be perfect for you, but you've kind of found your groove a little more, and things are starting to, like... Yeah. It's not that, that life gets easier, but, like, you like you kind of get better at faking your way through it. Like, yes. he's, he's still... He's still, like, has some of those struggles. Like, he, like... 
His landlord is still always on him about the rent, which tells you that he's still having a hard time paying his rent because he lives in fucking Manhattan. He's still in that same mm-hmm. shitty apartment. But his landlord likes him. And that's the thing. It's like, I think that it's, it's that Peter, like, has gotten used to the struggles and he's learned how to yeah. succeed within that kind of struggle headspace, which I can actually relate to being somebody in my, my late 20s. I do actually. Yes. It's easier to navigate those things as as you get, or at least for, for myself, it's easier to navigate those things like even if you know if even if it's still like kind of living paycheck to paycheck even if it's still a struggle at times like your outlook on life can kind of get better and you get better at navigating that so i kind of think that that's that's the way i view the beginning of this movie Mm. i just do think that it's just a little bit weird that it comes in so hot from the beginning of that things are going great for me guys (laughs) you know but i i actually kind of like the fact that it starts off in a little bit more of a a positive Mm. uh position for him in his life i just think that they they could have done it without it being so just jarringly night and day. And, and like you said, Zach, I think they could have done a better job of explaining how he got to that point. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of understand why they wanted to start in a higher point. Because my brother described Spider-Man 2 as a movie where a man starts the movie being kicked down a flight of stairs. And then the rest of the movie, he just keeps falling down more flights of stairs that you didn't know were there. <laughs> Yep. Including one and <laughs> straight into a basement somehow. <laughs> which which I like. I actually really like that aspect of Spider-Man 2. But I do kind of understand why they would want to start in a different place uh, narratively. It's just one flight of stairs that he gets kicked down 20 minutes into the movie. As opposed to, you know, the continuous flight of stairs that he starts yeah. uh, the movie rolling down. Well, I also say the fact that Spider-Man is being more respected as a superhero... I actually kind of like that because to me that builds off of that train scene from Spider-Man 2 Mm -hmm. of, you know, people are more and more like really experiencing the fact that Spider-Man saved their lives. And as he saves more and more lives, like that kind of gets out like, no, he really is a protector. Mm -hmm. He really is someone who's trying to save us. And I think that it it does kind of uh, build off of that, that again, that beautiful train scene in Spider-Man 2. I will say, uh, that I feel like Mary Jane was written poorly in this mm. movie. The actresses that I know do not react that way when they're replaced or when they get a bad critique. Uh, the actors that I know that work professionally, when you get a bad critique, you're like, eh, mm. and then you keep going because you got that paycheck. Uh, when you're replaced on Broadway, it happens. It happens to the best of us. It happens to the worst of us. And I think that's just, I would have liked to have seen more of that instead of her being written as a flailing, uh, the damsel in distress kind of thing. And I would have liked to have seen her get a more realistic writing because she's where Peter was in the last movie. And she reacts completely different. And I understand they're two completely different people, but... I just don't like her arc in this movie. Well, to be honest, I I just appreciated that she had her own story because I like her in the yes. first two movies, but mm. I I feel that she has her the, her most meaningful story in in this movie. Surprisingly, surprisingly yes. with as much as going on, like she mm. really does have her own storyline in this movie more so than she had in the first two movies for me. 
Um, yeah. And I, I understand what you're saying. Like, it still feels shitty to be replaced in in a, in a play. But like, I I kind of I kind of yeah. understand what, what what you're saying with that. That that a lot of actors they develop thick skin, and it could be mm. that she just hasn't like maybe this experience is her developing that thicker skin that you have yeah. to have mm. uh, as an actor. But I also kind of understand feeling that way. But I do. I honestly think Kirsten Dunst does some of her best acting in the trilogy in this movie. I will say that, like, regardless of how you feel about the writing, I think, mm. I actually think that her performance is the best out of, out of the three movies, be, because I she agree. actually has the most to do in this mm. one. And so I, I I actually enjoyed her, her, I thought that her story was actually one of the highlights of this movie for me. I get exactly what you mean by the damsel in distress thing. That's frustrating that at every turn it's her needing help and there's nothing inherently wrong with someone going through a rough patch in life and needing help from their significant other and i do like that peter is not perfect in that way that he has trouble thinking about it side note Peter makes some really fucking stupid decisions when it comes to relationships <laughs> in this movie he is yeah. He was not ready for this. Even before he bonds with the symbiote, he makes some absolute dumbass decisions in this yes. movie. You're oh, yes. right. Venom, Venom only enhanced whatever was going on there. There was a lot yes. of stupid fucking Peter right here. I liked, again, that she has her own agency. I liked that she was trying... I liked that it expanded on that uncertainty at the end of the last movie where she saw him go out and realizes that she's going to be there for him but she's going to save her life but he's not really there for her when she always needs it which yes she suspected was going to be the case but it is nice to see that that is actually taking a toll it is actually a problem yeah um so i do like that they expanded on that that look at the end of the last movie i, I had always said that my interpretation of it was her kind of knowing that they're that they're gonna have a really rocky relationship but kind of accepting mm-hmm. it and saying that this mm-hmm. is still what she wants and i i still maintain even with this movie that that's still my interpretation of that and we'll get to the the end end of this movie you know later but mm-hmm. like with the whole peter and mj thing i also do like the fact that once they get together it's not all sunshine and rainbows i like the mm-hmm. fact that we really yes. see their relationship issues and we see both of their kind of flaws brush up against each other mm-hmm. but then there are those moments where they almost come together and then circumstances you know like like the one part where like he's on the phone with her and he's just like like i know you're still mad about last night like i just want to talk to you and then of course like she picks up the phone right as he hangs up like it's it's like it's those little things yeah. of like they're almost trying to come together and like I, I i i like those things but yeah no we see a lot of peter's character flaws uh kind of uh rear their head in this particular movie we, we see people enjoying him be spider-man kind of gets to his head you know mm. he's he, he, again on the subject of dumbass decisions uh doing <laughs> that the upside down kiss with gwen stacy was like that was like no yeah I, his I just, entire I just, brain just left his whole goddamn exa- skull. I it's just like, don't what? understand how he even thought remotely that MJ <laughs> was going to be even kind of okay with that. Like, it, I'm sure he was just like, "Oh, it's just for the fans. Like, they'll they'll love it. Whatever." It's like it's, it's just. A I like how he was like, surprised. I like how she was. Su- he was yeah. surprised that she was unhappy about it. He was yeah. like, "What I do? What? What, what did I do?" And she <laughs> no, was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> 
It's like, Peter, you have no fucking self-awareness whatsoever. God damn. No. <laughs> she rightfully points out, it's like, that was our kiss. That was the first kiss that, yes. that MJ had had with... It was a kiss between MJ and Spider-Man at the mm-hmm. time, because she didn't know that he was Peter yet. But it was like, that was their first, like, passionate kiss... Mm-hmm. Uh, that that iconic scene from the first movie, and he does that to uh, j- just for a photo op, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. And then she finds out. I, I guess, like, we'll kind of touch on the Gwen Stacy thing. I don't know why Gwen Stacy's in this movie. I'm gonna be I honest. I don't know but, why she's Gwen Stacy. But the whole thing about how MJ, like, not only is she uh, upset about that kiss, but then she finds out that Peter knows Gwen, which uh, yep. which kind of makes it worse. Is like, okay, have you really, like, as you've been her lab partner, have you really just had the hots for this girl and you just want an excuse to kiss her where you could be quote-unquote guilt-free yep. because, oh, I'm not Peter, I'm Spider-Man. It's like, no, that's bullshit. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, what do you guys think of Gwen in general in this movie? I just, I don't know why she's in the movie. She's barely a character at all, and it's kind of frustrating. Like, I don't know, Gwen is, in the comics, she's a friend of Peter that eventually turned into love more until her untimely death. But yeah, she was a friend of Peter. She was a colleague of Peter. She was, like, every much his intellectual equal in a lot of ways. Um, in the spectacular Spider-Man, I loved how she figured out that he was uh, Spider-Man before he, he told her. That that is my favorite adaptation of Gwen Stacy. Oh, yeah. is, I, is I, the, I love the that spectacular adaptation. Spider-Man animated series. I love the mm-hmm. way they they portrayed her on that. Oh yeah. Um, as of the time of this movie, of course, Spider-Gwen wasn't a thing. So yeah, it's it's not surprising at all that there's no hint of that whatsoever because again, that was not a thing in the comics by the time this movie came out. But in this movie, she's she's a prize and that's really frustrating to me the one moment that i liked gwen stacy was after she figured out at the jazz scene where she figured out that she was just some kind of accessory to get back at mj and she decides to leave and she does nothing more and she has nothing to do with peter for the rest of his life basically after that point and she apologizes to yeah she apologizes to mj that is the only moment I like Gwen because that's the only moment she's like actually a character. She's just kind of a prize for Eddie, for Peter, throughout the entire first part of the movie. It's really fucking. I I do not like the inclusion of Gwen in this, if only because no. she's such a such a poorly written version of a really good character. I agree that 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 moment you touched on is the best moment of her in the movie. It's I it's agree. actually I I I appreciate that one moment with her every time I watch this movie. It's like it's such a it's such a good moment of her like realizing it is. no like I'm gonna I'm not gonna mm-hmm. just be your way to get back at your ex and then she feels awful about it and apologizes to MJ. It's like no you don't deserve this you know exactly yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard really good actress uh, wasted in That's this what movie I was but say, that yeah. mm-hmm. but that but that moment. Is is the one time where she's able to actually shine like just acting wise is that mm. that that line where she says i'm sorry it's like okay i can see that you're a really good actress you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love bryce dallas howard i mm. she is a feminist i she has quickly become a feminist icon her father is a fucking phenomenal filmmaker uh, i shouldn't have to uh, talk about ron howard in the same sentence as, as i talk about uh, bryce dallas howard i know but bryce Bryce Dallas mm-hmm. Howard also um, has gotten her directing chops. She directed an episode of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. 
she's getting her her feet wet and she is so fucking talented mm-hmm. um so to see her in this role i'm not going to bash the role i don't i don't like the i don't like the way she was written i think i think and i love sam raimi mm-hmm. i love sam raimi before i say this but i think that her depiction was part of his professional snit. You know, um, he got the bad news that he couldn't do the, the plan that he wanted to do was, which was to do the Harry sequence and, uh, Sandman, which mm-hmm. would have been phenomenal together. It would have been the Venom storyline is a little extra and it's, mm-hmm. it's weak, but it's done that way on purpose because Sam Raimi did not want to handle it. It, he told the studio that this does not fit the movie, that mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be a strong movie. And he warned them and they told him mm-hmm. they don't care. It's Spider-Man three and they want three villains. He did the best he could. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when you have to go into work on a on a project that has been ruined and is no longer in your image as a director, you're going to have some leftover, I don't give a fuck, uh, storylines and writings. Let's just get to the next part. Um, and I think that's what happened with, with the women because he's known for doing strong female characters. I mean, this is the man that brought us Xena. So he's known for, he's, he's got that in his background. And I think that he just went into autopilot. I think that he let Bryce Dallas Howard play her in a high school kind of poppy girl way. And I don't think it worked. I don't think it worked. I think that it was mm-hmm. more cheerleader and less fierce badass. Um, but you have these two big names in the same Spider-Man, which don't usually happen together the mj and the and the gwen stacy because they're two different lines really and i think he was just trying to find a way to kind of work it i would have liked to have seen gwen stacy come in in the second movie and to be eased in and i would not have liked to have seen peter treat her that way i know that Mm -hmm. it wasn't supposed to be peter doing it it's a little bit peter yeah there's two love triangles going on Uh, there's Mm -hmm. two lust triangles going on in this movie and I think that love triangles is weak writing. You have Peter MJ Harry and you have Peter MJ uh, Gwen Mm -hmm. Stacy. It's just too much for one movie. Mm -hmm. That's my main thing. Like, I I don't think that love triangles are always inherently bad, but what what they can be is just a lazy solution to we need to... We need some conflict uh, intri- here. We, we need, yeah, we need some conflict in the relationship. Yeah. And I think with Peter and MJ, there's already enough conflict there without mm-hmm. them I having agree. to have these love triangles. Mm-hmm. I think, like, and, and that's a, that, that kind of goes to how pointless Gwen is. And also, like, I... I honestly, my honest opinion, Troy, is I don't think that Gwen needed to be in any of these movies no. because I think that I MJ agree. was, MJ was already a cross between Gwen and MJ from the comics. Yeah. Like the way, she the way was. she's written, the way she's written in these movies, she is a, she's an amalgam of the characters of Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. Yeah. And like, Gwen obviously shouldn't have been in this movie, but if they had to have had her in this movie in the way that they had her, I would have liked to have had her actually be a really good, like smart science major like Peter was. 
was because like I, mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that yeah. she, she's this kind of ditzy girl that uh, Peter's is tutoring. Like, why can't she also be have like the same major that Peter has? Because I like that moment at the beginning where she answers the question in the science class. It's like, like at first I'm like, oh, maybe she's just as smart as Peter. And then we find out later that she, he's just been tutoring her. Yeah. And it's like, I think it would have been kind of cool if, if mm-hmm. she was this really smart scientist. If they were equals. But she also just does modeling on the side because she likes yeah. it. Like, I, yeah. I have a lot mm-hmm. of friends who just like to do modeling because it's good money. Yep. She doesn't have to be this ditzy girl, you know? I would have also been okay with him ending up with Gwen Stacy at the end if there had been a fair exchange between MJ and and Gwen Stacy. That can be written well, but it wasn't written well here. But I, I also just think that there was too much in this movie for there to be there a second was. love interest. I think yeah. that's, that's the main yeah. thing. It's like, if you're good to do that then you gotta strip down some of these villains there's yeah. just too much going on in this movie yep. gotta take one of them out which they should have done in the first place anyways but but was not an option <laughs> it was not an option but stuff was not an option <laughs> you got the director going that's too much this is not gonna work and you got a studio to go do it do it do it <laughs> it's gonna be awesome yeah. and the director's like no this is gonna be horrible and the studio's like it's gonna be great mm-hmm. and then when it bombs in the theater the studio's like that's Sam Raimi sucks fire his ass <laughs> and listen in fairness like I don't think that um, Sam Raimi it, when I watch mm-hmm. this movie it doesn't feel like Sam Raimi phoned it in he still did his job no, he, he did still not. did his job mm-hmm. well he did his job he put in the work and he just had a stinker and sometimes when you have a stinker, you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. We learn a lot yeah. from these stinkers and mm-hmm. you got to go. You got to do what your best. He did the absolute best job he could. Like he was given a really stupid decision at the start. He knew it was yes. stupid. Everyone but the studio knew it was stupid. He made it work as well as it possibly could. But I agree. Side note on the subject of love triangles and butt stuff. The only acceptable love triangle <laughs> is when all three of them turn out to be in love with everyone else involved. And then they just get together at the end. That's all three yeah. of them get together at the end. Polyamory, That's baby. The only Polly acceptable Amory. love triangle. I agree. That's fair. That's <laughs> why, why the road to El Dorado is the best ending of all time. It's <laughs> Fuck yes! Fuck yes! They, they all realize, the it's like, no, wait, we're all just going to date each other and go on adventures together. All right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. Well, we, we kind of touched on the uh, the other love triangle, which is uh, MJ and Harry. I mean, let's, let's actually kind of just go fully into the Harry uh, uh, kind of subtopic. I'll, I'll kind of come back to so the other mm-hmm. MJ stuff as we kind of get to that point in the movie. So, I mean, this is the thing that, of course, has been set up by both of the first two movies. And I think that this storyline definitely deserved it was significant mm-hmm. enough that it should have been the entire plot of the movie in my opinion that's always been yes. my that's mm-hmm. always been my biggest thing it's like you had a strong enough villain with harry that you didn't need these other two villains but i mean what, what do we think of the harry storyline in general and i i guess like kind of starting with uh you know him, him creeping on peter in, in mg's play and then later a couple <laughs> scenes later ambushing him on the mm-hmm. on the surfboard glider this a lot of stuff that I feel with Harry's storyline where there's a couple of scenes that got like spread out over the course of the movie that I felt like Sam Raimi really wanted to do and felt were important to the storyline. And he really did want to have more of that in the movie, but had to get it out of the way because he had to do the Sandman and the Venom storyline at the same time. Like him creeping on Peter and 
trying to sabotage their relationship from within, trying to pretend to be a good friend again while also sabotaging Peter's life. That should have been most of the movie. And then he comes out with a direct attack, you know, at appropriate times. That, again, should have been most of the movie. And I even think the Sandman thing would have worked as well because I actually liked him and that's going back later but i liked him coming back as a friend again you realizing okay actually i need to get over myself and be a better person i liked the, all those aspects and they were so truncated they're just i don't know way too little of it way too short and also the whole amnesia thing was just fucking just literally an excuse to get this storyline out of the way for, you know, a good 30 or 40 minutes. That's completely what it was. The only reason he gets amnesia is so that they could, like, get him out of the movie for, for like, a half hour or, like, 45 minutes, whatever, so that they could do other scenes w- without being like, wait, what? where's Harry? You know? <laughs> <laughs> there was masterful foreshadowing done. For this Mm -hmm. movie alone. This was set up to be a trilogy. And Mm -hmm. we were supposed to have a hobgoblin at the end of this trilogy. Face Mm -hmm. explosion and everything. It was masterfully crafted over three films. Only for him to get to the third film and have it smashed. Mm -hmm. And and, and I'm going to be honest. We all know that I feel like James Franco is a little lazy. But we do, we do see that split personality come out mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Cause one second he's like, I gotta be Peter's friend. I gotta be, fi-. no, no, fuck this Peter. And then he lashes out mm-hmm. and it's always going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I think the amnesia thing was never meant to be. It was meant to be this split personality going back and forth that it looked like the the butler had something to do with because there was a lot there and then in the end it's the butler that comes to him that tells him your father killed himself your father mm-hmm. died from his glider you know and then all of a sudden harry's like oh okay all my problems are solved let's go kick some <laughs> bad guy butt <laughs> and it's not good in that sense i think it's the best they could do but i i think that going back and forth from the juice to mm. Harry off the juice, which is what the amnesia was a metaphor for. Uh, when he got amnesia, he wasn't on the juice, but there was some way that he was being, I don't know if his father was doing it or if the butler was slipping it to him or if mm. he had this alternative personality that was, and I'm talking the foreshadowing in the other movies. That's what oh, I'm yeah. talking. There was something going on there. Yes, there's a lot of foreshadowing that we don't get to see come to fruition in this movie. Mm. We know there's something, but it's never answered. And that amnesia ruins anything that was foreshadowed in the other two movies. It's just too much on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. The movie would have been great as this for the storyline. And of course, he probably would have teamed up with Spider-Man at the end of the movie and they both would have taken the Sandman down together. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. That's also foreshadowed in the beginning of the movie because it's the bombs from the Hobgoblin. And I'm going to call him the Hobgoblin, goddammit. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, because that's exactly what he was meant to be. So we have this, we have this foreshadowed and we don't get to see it come to fruition because of the time wasted on the Venom storyline. But I think that it could have been strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the acting is a little off 
once again, just like I said in the second one, you have to learn to bridge those characters. And you have to do that as the actor. Mm -hmm. And I think that having a split personality would have really helped. And they tried that in here, but I don't think that it was executed well. I think that it was strong writing, and I think that it was poor execution that came together that gave us this mess of a of a Harry that we see. Well, again, it's like, and we're, we're going to hear us say this so many times in this review, but it's really the truth is that there's just too much in yes. this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the problem. It's like, I actually do think that there are definitely moments where the Harry storyline is done very well. It really is. They couldn't give it the amount of time or the amount of yes. development that they could give that they should have given mm-hmm. it because they, there's just too much other stuff going on in this movie. Absolutely. And again, like I like the idea that you, that you had Troy about his, him having a split personality based on whether he's uh, on the 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 juice or not because mm-hmm. that's something that they kind of did. And again, talking about the spectacular Spider-Man TV show, that's something that they kind of did with mm-hmm. the Harry storyline and that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would have really worked here, where we could have. Seen, mm-hmm. you know, good Harry and bad Harry, and th- that kind of at war with each other. And I-, I will say that one thing that I will give this movie, in terms of all the different storylines that they have going on, there is a common thread throughout this entire movie of all the storylines going on, mm-hmm. of like your good self versus your bad self. It's all about forgiveness. I think yep. that that's actually well done, of, you know, Peter struggling with this black suit Spider-Man as a metaphor for his darker side. MJ. Yeah, MJ. Mm-hmm. We definitely see Harry struggling with his good side and his bad side. Sandman, he's mm-hmm. got a good side and a bad side. Eddie Brock, who doesn't actually have a good side, which no. is frustrating because that kind of cuts the theme a little, but... It does, but again, he... It's like everybody else in this movie ultimately chooses to be their best self, except that Eddie chooses to be his worst self mm-hmm. which i also agree that if we had seen a good side to eddie at any point in this movie then it would have been an interesting direction to see him take that opposite side of like no i am gonna choose to be the worst of myself even mm-hmm. though there is good in me i'm gonna choose to actually be the worst part of myself but uh again we'll, we'll get we'll get to the eddie rock stuff but i will say i i usually really like the vfx in all these movies but there's some really janky stuff in that mm-hmm. that first fight with that first with fight with, yes. Yeah, Peter Peter Rough. versus Harry when, when P- Peter is fighting him like not in his normal mm-hmm. clothes, he's not fighting him as Spider-Man. It looks super janky that entire scene. Yeah. Like I don't know what's going on see, with it. Like the goddamn green screen edging in almost. Just I like, think that's <laughs> what I think is what it was. It's really weird because like it's not even so much CG because you could tell it's the actors, but it's really weird green screen compositing. Mm-hmm. I I think like yeah. I'm not I'm not really sure what it, what it was going on there, but rushed. Yeah, and like I know this movie had a budget. This movie had a really <laughs> high budget, but like I just feel like some of these scenes were just not well conceived i don't know I admire them, like, actually trying to have Peter do Spider-Man action not in the suit, because I know that it's easier to do Spider-Man action with the suit because Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. easier to do a CG Spider-Man than it is to do a photorealistic CG just person without a head-to-toe suit Mm -hmm. covering. So I think that that was part of the problem, but and also Harry as well is is unmasked for most of the scene, Mm -hmm. but it's just such a janky-looking scene. 
like well choreographed, but just really mm-hmm. janky in the execution. So I don't know. I don't know what the hell was going on with that. There was some inconsistent. Vi- I like. I think most of the practical effects in this movie actually were up to standard. I'm not saying the CG was even bad because there were moments when it was really good, but it was it was inconsistent for the same reason that I think the story was inconsistent was that they didn't have the time or the effort to really get everything to work right by the end of it. And yeah. that's that's what I feel happened with CG. It's like the CG could have been good, but they're just trying to get through it. They're just trying to continue. And it, on the scenes where it matters, it's good. It's mostly just that scene for me. Like on, honestly, all the rest of the action scenes I think look fine. Mm. Like all, all the rest of the CG. Like I I like all the Sandman stuff. I like all mm. the Venom stuff. Like I think all of that visually looks really good. It's just for some reason that particular scene is just janky as hell. Mm. It is. I, I I think you might be right, Zach, but I think it was more just that it was one of those ideas that they had for a scene that they just weren't able to really execute. I I, I just I think mm. that I think just the the production design behind it was just flawed from the beginning. The only other thing I'll say about the Amnesia storyline, I did enjoy seeing a more well-adjusted Harry, like... I enjoyed yeah. seeing Harry mm-hmm. without the baggage of all his daddy issues because really mm-hmm. I think almost all of his character flaws come down to daddy issues. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think when you strip that away, like he barely remembers his dad's dead. Like after he wakes up from amnesia, it's like my my dad died, right? But he he barely, you know, thinks about or talk, talks about his dad. You know, like I think at one point he says he kind of barely remembers his dad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason why he's such a decent guy when he has amnesia. <laughs> is because he doesn't have that he doesn't have norman like hanging over his head and it's when he remembers norman is when he becomes an asshole again of course but it's definitely a personality it's Mm -hmm. definitely not the ghost of norman it's definitely a personality because uh norman is only telling Mm -hmm. him things from his point of view norman's not really telling him something that he doesn't know and that's how you always Mm -hmm. tell in these movies is the ghost Mm -hmm. giving him information that he doesn't know like hamlet's father did with him I agree. His father is, and I say that in quotation marks, his father is hounding him about things that are on his personal conscience. So that is done very well. I think that that is done very, very well. That's good writing right there. I agree. What did you think of the whole thing of him uh, getting his memory back and then he kind of manipulates uh, MJ to break up with Peter? What did you think of that whole thing? Like, I thought it was interesting, but again, it's like, like you said, Zach, like this Mm. is stuff that should have been happening throughout the movie if the whole movie was Mm -hmm. about uh, Harry, but... It felt a little weirdly heavy-handed. Like, the the thing with that is that it felt like an excuse in some ways because their relationship was already kind of rocky. There was some stuff with that. Him strong-arming MJ and saying, okay, you're gonna break up with him or I'm gonna kill him. He didn't need to do that. There was a more... I don't know. Maybe that says a lot about Harry, that he just tries the most direct path. But I also feel like there is a more underhanded way to do that, to get them to have this relationship that's already on the rocks break fully apart and that would be something that they can work through later and it's more effective in a way because that means that if they do find out that he was manipulating them they still have to deal with the fact that they had problems beforehand those aren't magically solved by figuring out harry's involved i think that it was straight up plot device i'm gonna say it there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that's just straight up Okay, they needed to move the storyline along, so they just yeah. inserted something I don't here. think it's necessary. I think that she would have broken up with him anyway, and I think it's straight-up plot device. I don't think she needed mm-hmm. anybody to go to after after she broke up with, with Peter. 
I think that she could have just mm-hmm. broke up with Peter and been like, all right, I'm going to start dating now. And then if she had a dated Harry, it would have given more weight to Harry's death in the end of the movie. Instead of him being this uh, horrible human being that wants to ruin Peter Parker. And at the end, they're they're crying and they're like, you were my best friend. And oh, I when? was your best friend. <laughs> and, 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 and it's it's total bullshit when you find out someone was just trying to fuck you over. That's not friend material. It's not. With Harry's death, I believed Peter's reaction more than MJ's, because, like, with MJ, it's like yeah. the last time she saw him, he was threatening her into breaking up with Peter. Yeah. It's like, that was the mm-hmm. last interaction she had with him. It's like, now yeah. you're crying over this guy being dead? Like, I understand that you have had a, a relationship with this guy, you know? Like, like not, not even just a romantic relationship, but she's had a friendship relationship with this guy I in the past. I just don't think it fitted. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I actually completely agree with you, Zach. I think that the whole storyline of Harry manipulating MJ into, or, or like kind of sowing discord kind of, uh, in the relationship of Peter and MJ, if it had been done more subtly, I think would have worked really well. As it was, I think I think you're. I agree with you that it was too heavy handed. It, it just mm-hmm. felt like again too much in this movie. They couldn't take the time to develop this, so they had to just do it in the most blood instrument, mm-hmm. you know, most direct way because there's just too much to get through in this movie. I think it was just plot device that wasn't needed. I will say that the whole, uh, again, going back to that that coffee shop scene with Peter and Harry, (laughs) there is a gif that I use all the time whenever I really like either a movie or a song or a food that I'm just eating or anything like that. It's just (laughs) Harry taking a bite of apple pie saying, so good. His delivery of that just cracks me up every time I see the movie. It's like James Franco was so into that line delivery and it just it just makes me happy. And then him, him winking at Peter and then like the truck goes by and he's gone. I always imagine that he's just crouching under the table. I always want them to cut to that. <laughs> oh my God. It's such a weird scene. So of all the scenes in that, I did actually really like their kind of uh, unmasked grudge match where they're still using all their abilities, but they're just like in a suit and it's just, it's not a classic superhero or supervillain fight. It's just two assholes trying to beat the shit out of each other in a <laughs> side of the apartment and i'm like you know yes. what okay i actually like how the scene is playing out that's hilarious it was a little bit of a weirdly placed scene in the movie the fact that that mm-hmm. comes right like i didn't remember i thought that came later in the movie and it was like <laughs> wait that goes straight from that to the peter dancing scene <laughs> like i don't know it's again some of the placement of the scenes it feels like that scene should have been later in the overall structure of the movie than it actually was i also always remembered like it like i always think that he gets the symbiote suit sooner in the movie than he actually does too it's like there's just a lot of weird pacing in this movie which i'll, I'll kind of get to as well but but i do want to actually start talking about sandman as well what do we think of this character he's he's definitely they, they definitely wrote him in a fairly sympathetic way that he's a criminal because he's trying to get uh money for his mm-hmm. daughter which i thought was an interesting storyline but like most things in this movie i just felt wasn't developed as strongly as it could have been mm-hmm. so i think that if you decide that you're going to kill somebody so that someone else lives you're not too good of a person. I don't care mm-hmm. what your excuse is. He had no reason to kill Uncle Ben. And and still he kills him. That was his decision that he made. Point was, it kind of wasn't a decision. It was a... Uh startled yeah he he pulled the trigger by accident now i also am with you troy but if if you're if you're pointing a gun at somebody and yeah. the safety is apparently off like there's and like your fingers you're, on the trigger 
At the very least, you are deeply irresponsible. Yes. Yeah, at the very least. You don't point a gun at someone unless you're going to kill them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or or shoot them in some Mm -hmm. way or another. Maybe maybe shoot them in the leg. I don't think he's a forgivable character. I just don't. He's an asshole. Um, I'm sorry your little girl needs needs this help. I understand why you're stealing. But there's so many stories of people robbing banks and stealing. And have have y'all ever seen the movie John Q with Denzel? Uh, not John Q. Uh, what was it? Uh, where he went to the hospital and he only had one bullet in the gun. And his, his intentions was not to hurt anyone. His son needed a heart transplant. And his intention was to use that one bullet on him. I was pretty sure that was John Q. I thought John that was Q. the name okay. of that movie. Yeah. Okay. There's so many more moving, caring storylines that they could have told me instead of, well, I had the gun and I was pointing it at him and I really didn't mean to kill him. I really didn't. I understand that he was trying to help me. And then I just sneezed and he was dead. I know that's not the route they went, but uh, Mm. he's an asshole. I'm sorry to hear about your child. Maybe you should have uh, robbed in in a sense to where you didn't have to kill somebody else. I'm generally just not a fan of him being Uncle Ben's killer for multiple reasons. No. First off, we don't need the impetus. Just have him be there. Have him be who he is. Have him be a thief who constantly shows up and gets in Spider-Man's way who is trying to help his daughter, who is on the cusp of choosing whether or not to really be... Have him be an antagonist who is on the cusp of choosing whether or not to be a good person or a bad person. And the thing I love about Sandman is that for a long time, in every great version of his story, for a long time, he's like, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes. But then when it comes right down to it, he's not really a bad guy. Yes. This one kind of is a massive douche. He does almost kill several people um, throughout the course of the movie, just not caring what harm he's doing. The subplot wasn't needed. Yeah. And him being Uncle Ben's killer, it's unnecessary conflict. And you even have Peter point out, okay, it's like, why didn't you tell us that he was Uncle Ben's killer all these years? And... The cat and the captain's like, I don't have to explain myself to you. It's like, then why are you telling us now? Like, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, I, I actually can understand. Okay, if you're not going to tell them for all these years, why is now when you're choosing to do it? The one thing I'm going to say, he's mm-hmm. also criminally underused in this movie, but one of my favorite character actors uh, plays Captain Stacy, and that's James Cromwell. I mm-hmm. fucking love James Cromwell. Yes. I think he's a great casting mm-hmm. for Captain Stacy. Doesn't get to do a lot in this movie, but, you know, he yeah. also happens to be Gwen's dad, but that is, like, not important yeah. to the movie at not all, at you know? Of <laughs> course, I also love that the whole crane sequence where Gwen's in trouble, it's just hilarious. It's just the coincidence of the fact that, like, both Captain Stacy and Eddie happen to be on the ground. It's like, Eddie's like, oh, that's Gwen. It's like, because he's like, what, Gwen's up there? Wait, who are you? Wait, why do we both, I, what? <laughs> it's just this coincidence. It's like everybody that knows Gwen Stacy personally just happens mm-hmm. to be there at that time but also the other thing I love about that scene is that Spider-Man never actually stops the crane uh, if you go back yeah. and watch it, it's like yeah. the crane is still going he says when like I know they, they just cut to the crane it's like smashing through some other building it's like oh, yeah. I, yeah. I saved the pretty I saved the pretty girl my job here is done <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you other guys. But no, on the subject of Sandman, I agree with you guys that I I think the Sandman storyline would have worked really well for me, almost exactly as it was 
if he hadn't have killed Uncle Ben. I yes. actually think that that I actually there think was that, no that was point. the that was mm-hmm. the one problem with it because you, you're right, Troy. It's like he did kill whether it was on purpose or not. He did kill Uncle Ben. He did have a loaded gun trained on him. Yes, you know, he could have like. He could have had a gun with no bullets and like, because, because like most people, if somebody points a gun at you, they're going to give you the car. You don't have to have bullets in the gun. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Him as Uncle Ben's killer is such a weird retcon mm-hmm. because we already got past the Uncle Ben storyline. Why are we still talking about Uncle Ben? We also basically saw it and to rewrite it is... It's bad writing. It was such a weird retcon. Like, I, I like that they got Cliff Robertson back for that cameo. I like that they got the guy, the guy from the first movie who they was yeah. supposedly was Uncle Ben's killer. Like, I like that they have that continuity with him running out with the bag and everything. But at the same time, you guys are right. Like, it, it just didn't work. It was such a weird retcon. Like, because again, Peter had mm-hmm. moved past that part of his life and that part of his origin. And there just wasn't really a reason to, to dig up that old wound. I think the only reason I can imagine why they did that was to with with him in the black suit to give him a revenge mission to kind of kind of mm. emphasize like yeah. the dark side of him. But I just feel like if if you're going to do that I feel like there's there's got to be a better way to go about that. Mm. And I, I just don't even feel that he needed a revenge mission. I think that him in the black suit, like, they could have had him, you know, just kind of go too far as he's fighting Harry, maybe. Like, have him kind of yes. take it a step too far. I think that there was enough anger built up in Peter for Harry for the suit to feed off of that. He yeah. didn't need anything extra. I understand why he threw that bomb back at the last minute. I understand. He was in the moment. His rage was was not subsiding. And his friend just threw a motherfucking bomb at him. So he's like, oh yeah? Hot potato, motherfucker. You know? <laughs> More wasn't needed. I will say that my favorite scene in the movie, for me personally, is a Sandman scene. And that is the scene where he becomes the Sandman, where he first wakes up Uh, from the sand. That's gorgeous. I do wish that, again, he hadn't, like, killed Uncle Ben, as that does kind of put a damper on it. But just, like, that visual storytelling is like, this is beautiful. Just the music, just the visual storytelling. This is really fucking cool. And almost nothing else uh, related to Sandman quite lived up to that. But, you know, I really like that bit. Well, I think that comes back to the fact that you can kind of tell that the Sandman story is the one that Sam Raimi actually wanted to do. Like, you Mm -hmm. you can kind of feel that, especially in that scene and in other scenes in the movie, like... I honestly think, yeah. like, again, him as Uncle Ben's killer is the thing that I don't like. Other than that, I actually like him in the movie. I think that he's, yes. I think he's an effective, sympathetic villain. Hmm. Yeah. Thomas Hayden Church is the actor who plays him. Great mm-hmm. actor. Such a yeah. good actor. Does such Phenomenal. a good job in this role. Like, I, I love him mm. whenever I see him pop up. And I think that he did a great job bringing a lot of depth to the character. I just would have liked to have seen more of his storyline with the daughter. There were, mm-hmm. like, there was a, there were yeah. a couple of really good scenes. Like, I did actually, I liked the scene with him and his, his ex, you know, the, the mm-hmm. mom of his daughter. And, and then, like, there were the beginnings of a mm-hmm. really good story here. But once again, how many mm-hmm. times am I going to say it? There's two fucking much going on in this movie and they couldn't actually develop it as much as they they needed to yep there's a deleted scene that i love immensely where his daughter 
you know, she has an oxygen tank, she's going to the park, and she's walking around, and a sandcastle suddenly appears. She goes up, uh, she admires it, puts her hand on it, and while she's looking away, another handprint comes out of the sand slowly and matches hers. She goes back to her mother, turns around, sandcastle's gone, and then we, you know, see Flint watching from a distance as well, and I'm like... Why isn't this in the fucking movie? This is gorgeous. Yeah. If you're gonna have this many storylines in the movie, this movie should have been minimum three hours long. And I mean that as this movie should have been that long. If you're gonna, like, and they they should have had this many storylines. But if you're gonna have that many storylines, treat it like Return of the King or something. Yes. Like, have have all these different storylines and, like, really actually take the time to develop all of them. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I always forget when I watch this movie, like, just how awesome awkward the pacing is it's like what we're here already or like this happened so early in the movie it's like it's just so weird mm-hmm. the way things develop yeah but yeah no and, and i agree with you zach that like that that scene where he becomes sandman is absolutely gorgeous and that this i really liked the way they visually executed mm-hmm. sandman in this movie i think that all, all the action scenes with sandman i thought were really cool and i thought they mm-hmm. did a really good job with those particle effects and like the cg and everything i think what was was really really well done so again the beginnings of a really good storyline i want to start talking about the black suit spider-man Whoo! this plot line that he clearly did not want to include in this movie <laughs> well here's the thing it's like i i still i gotta say the same thing that i've said about everything i thought there were the beginnings of a really good black suit spider-man story like there were some really mm-hmm. cool things like visually like i like i like him waking up in the black suit at first and like he doesn't know where he is he's just that, mm-hmm. and that tells you that the suit's just been out joyriding like mm-hmm. i i like like I like the idea that he just wakes up and he's on the side of a building. And there there's some really cool like I like what the, the the way they did it visually. I think it looks really cool. And 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 I like the fact that that they started to establish Peter's character flaws before he gets the mm-hmm. black suit and the black suit is just making what was already there is just amplifying it, making it worse, making it mm. uglier. I actually like that. I like that, you know, again, a lot of the stuff with, with the Peter and MJ stuff was mm. ha- already happened. So, like, we already see his flaws before that. So, I really do think if they, if they had made an entire movie that was just about this, I think that it could have been a good movie. I was actually talking about this with uh, my brother because we mentioned how much had to change for Venom to be in his own movie. And I like that in this version, this is kind of the classic symbiote where it doesn't really have a personality at first. All it really wants is to be with Peter, part of Peter. And apart from that, as you said, it just enhances what's there. Unfortunately, the negative aspects. It just enhances the dark side of him. But other than that, all of its personality, all of its abilities, that comes from Peter. I'm the asshole here. So the symbiote comes straight out of the... This story comes straight out of the comic books. It does. Mm-hmm. And I love Sam Raimi. I love Sam Raimi with all of my heart. And I have to say that every time about I'm about to say something like I'm about to say, <laughs> I am sorry Sam Raimi had to go through the bullshit he had to go through to get this movie mm-hmm. done. Because he put his heart and soul into this movie. He really did. He did his mm-hmm. best. But the symbiote is the weakest I have seen in most movies. The mm-hmm. writing is not... It's, it's that personality thing. It doesn't really have a personality mm-hmm. when it comes to the table. And, and I think that's odd. Um, but it's, it's straight out of the comic book. It would have been a nice beginning for the first movie in a trilogy because you can't tell the Venom mm-hmm. story in one movie. 
you can't. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't give a fuck how great you are at making movies. You cannot tell the Venom story in one movie. You can introduce Venom in one movie, but there is no way you can do it in one movie. I don't care who you are. Especially when you already have the storylines of two other movies in the same movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Absolutely! Yes. Absolutely! So, so going in, it's written well, but it's like they took a short movie and crammed it down into this already written movie. And I know that's exactly what happened, but after watching Venom, it doesn't compare. And I hate to trash this movie because I know they put a lot of work into it. That's going to be the biggest critique that I make. I think, I know that it went almost page by page in the comic book. So they did their job. Sam Raimi did what he needed to do to give the fans what they needed. But this movie, for the fans listening right now, uh, this is uh, the game of this episode Take a shot every time you hear us say, there was just too much in this movie. (laughs) Well, they can't take a shot every time we say that. They'll be unconscious by the end of the episode. (laughs) If you play this drinking game, you will die. You will be dead. (laughs) I mean, but that's what it is. He wrote... He wrote a little symbiote Venom package, and then he crammed it down into this movie. And all of the parts are weak. It's like he gave them his script, and they were like, oh, this is fantastic, add Venom to it. What? (laughs) That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what happened. And then they give him the mess back, and he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this shit? (laughs) You know? It's just, ah, I hate trash talking anything <laughs> sam raimi touches so my soul is is burning right now i i feel sad but the symbiote and and peter i i want to like it but i can't i don't like the design of of the symbiote the design on peter is pretty awesome but the venom character when created sucks mm-hmm. it's too small it doesn't sound right it doesn't move no. right. It is poorly educated and put together in this and the rest of this movie, um, which is not completely poorly executed. To be honest, mm. if, if we go with plot A, which is the Sandman, and then plot B, which is Harry, it's a phenomenal mm. movie. And it would have been great. But adding this symbiote in with everything that's subpar, everything mm. is subpar Whenever it comes to it, the writing is weak. The the visual effects are weak. The choreography for Venom and Spider-Man is weak. The internal and mental fight that Peter should have had with the symbiote is not there. Mm. Peter should have fought the symbiote mentally. That's the mm. challenge of Venom. Venom is not only a is not a physical challenge for Peter. Venom is a mm-hmm. mental challenge for Peter. Venom is chasing away all of those thoughts that Peter Parker's Uncle Ben taught him. And we don't see that. He's just like, I'm just going to be bad, Peter. Give me some oily hair and we're just going to do what we do. Yay! <laughs> Bad stuff! I know it's not fair to compare two different adaptations, especially when one is a television show and therefore had more time to do this. 
Yeah. But I'm coming back to Spectacular Spider-Man again. Of course, I'm yes. going back to Spectacular Spider-Man again because it did the Black Suit story right. Yes. It did the Black Suit story right. When it came time for him to decide he wanted to remove the Black Suit, that's when Venom revealed to him, hey... I have a personality too, and I don't agree with breaking up, and he has to have that immense mental battle between Venom trying to stick with him, trying to give him this corrupted idea and force him to stay together, and his own strength, which comes from the people he loves, and none of that. Here it's just a bell tower, and he's ripping off black goo from himself, and I'm like... Okay, I've had those Friday nights. You know, we've all been (laughs) (laughs) It's not an epic battle between good and evil will in between yourself. (laughs) No. Spectacular, spectacular (laughs) Spider-Man. Such a good show. show. (laughs) God, why was that show canceled? That show was so good. I know, right? Anyway, uh, what do we think of, like, when he's the black suit Spider-Man, he just starts disco dancing across the streets. I know that this has been often made fun of and memed everywhere. The gifts, you know, even 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 Into the Spider-Verse makes fun of it. Like, what, what, do, we, what do we think of this? It's the best part of Venom. In this movie, it's the best part of Venom. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Troy? I agree. <laughs> I <Yes>. actually do. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but it makes me laugh every time. Yes. And you know what? I just love it. I really yes. do. It's so Absolutely. fucking stupid and funny, and I, I just I just enjoy it. I just enjoy it every time. Thank you, Sam Raimi. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. it, it tells me that when Peter Parker is breaking out into an amoral bad boy persona, this is what he imagined those amoral bad boys were like. And I yes. find that fucking hilarious. It's like, yes. this is what he thinks is like cool and edgy. And <laughs> it's like, obviously not like Sam Raimi. It's like, this is Peter. He is a dork, so he has no idea what cool and edgy actually is. <laughs> yes. So he's just going with this. <laughs> yes. I also think it says a lot about him. It's like, Peter, at his worst, is kind of a douche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a monster, just just a douche. A kind of a douche. <laughs> a diet coke of evil. <laughs> yes. No, that's pretty much what it is. He thinks that being evil is being the fawns. That's why yes. I realize he's so yes. the fawns. It's just oh like <laughs> it's like you exactly. It's like you when he's going to the club with Gwen. It's like, oh, am I overdressed? Like, ah, oh, you look fine, babe. It's like, <laughs> what? It's like, what do you think? You're like, he's like this weird '70s disco guy. All of a sudden, it's like, what? You- <laughs> well, I grew up in that man's house. I mean, how many like up to date movies do you think he was watching in there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do like that moment between him and Aunt May where he says, that guy that killed Uncle Ben is dead. <laughs> and Aunt May is like, oh, Peter, that's horrible. And he's like, I thought you'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, so she'd be going to think that Aunt May knows uh, that Peter is Spider-Man at this yes, point. That means exactly. like, she's like... You killed a man. What? <laughs> Spider-Man doesn't kill people. <laughs> like, I'm actually kind of not okay with this now. I'm kind of afraid for my own life now. <laughs> Fortunately, said man's immortal, which that's actually something I wish is like explored in a later comic or something. It's like, can he actually die? Yeah. He's not actually got 
any genes to age anymore, so okay. It kind of <laughs> does seem like he could be, yeah. That's true. I'll just very briefly touch on the Aunt May scenes. There's only a couple of them in this movie. Not they're, enough. But they're good. Like, they I, are I good. think, <laughs> I, I, I like the scene where Aunt May is telling Peter about uh, the story of how Uncle Ben proposed to her, I thought was Oh was my nice. god, yes. Like, yeah, that was a really good scene. Yes. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, there, she, I think that she was underserved in this movie, but she was great when mm. she was there. Sorry, Aunt May, we have three villains. Get the fuck out. Exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> Ready for your shots, guys? There's too much in this fucking movie. <laughs> I know, I know we built this franchise on being a delicate balance between the life of a really normal, unlucky man and his superheroic alter ego. But we don't have enough time for his normal life because we can put too much superhero <laughs> shit on <so. laughs> God damn it. I want to talk about Eddie Brock fully oh, now. Uh, just talk about oh, him kind God. of before he becomes Venom. I will say, okay, I'm going to give out a hot take. I like Topher Grace in this movie. God damn it! I don't necessarily love the writing for Eddie, but I actually think Topher Grace was a good casting for Eddie Brock. I honestly do. I thought I thought he was good. For this version, sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I I like literally nothing about Eddie Brock in this movie whatsoever. <laughs> He's a douche. He has no redeemable qualities. He's not even a villain that you love to hate. I just don't want him to be on the screen anymore anytime I see him. And I'm like, Get this clown off the fucking screen. Go on, let's return to another storyline here. And, I don't know, there's, there's like no interesting thing about him. He's literally just... He's the worst. The, the entire time he's trying to make Peter feel bad about it, it's like, no, Peter, you can't do this, I'll lose my job. And it's like, you should lose your job. You were the one who edited a photo and tried to circulate it as news, you know, res ruining a relatively respectable, if, you know, angry newspaper. This is your fault. Peter was going to do it or someone else was going to do it. Why should we feel sorry for you? And we're supposed to be like, oh, no, Peter, you're out of line. It's like, no, Peter actually did exactly what he was supposed to do right there. Yeah, that's exactly what any sane person would have done oh no like as as someone who works for a newspaper if you find that your co-worker is is mm -hmm. uh has forged a photo or a story yes you absolutely bring that to your editor-in-chief like that's part of uh, journalistic integrity sure peter maybe did it in a slightly more douchey mm -hmm. way because of the black suit spider-man than, than he would have but it's like i'm gonna put some mm -hmm. dirt in your eyes just some of these lines but <laughs> um, <laughs> but no i agree like peter was 100 percent in the right like, like his actions were in the right he did it in a more mm -hmm. douchey way than he ha had to but his actions were absolutely in the right there so i love topher grace my favorite Mm -hmm. project of Tover Grace's is probably um, in good company. Uh, he was in it with uh, Dennis Quaid, and I can't remember the chick that was in it with him. Mm. But that's what he's known for is his rom-coms and stuff like that. Um, mm. I don't think he was right for this. I think that he was too goofy. It's okay with being goofy every once in a while, but I think he was hot at the time that he that he was um, mm -hmm. cast. And I'm not saying hot like I'm going to put that in my spank bank later, because trust me, it's Tover Grace. He's eternally in my spank bank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that 
I think Topher Grace was was really high up in IMDb ratings, and he was really hot at the time. He was being cast a lot. That's why he was cast in this movie. He brought the star rating in. But I don't think he made a good Eddie Brock. I think that he did his best with what he had. But Sam Raimi didn't have enough time to write a backstory for Eddie Brock. There is no afterthought. There is no moment before for any of the scenes. And that's to be honest. It's like where he's worried about being fired. The things that have happened, he doesn't act them in a in a sense that there was a moment before. Where did I just come from this? Mm-hmm. Okay, I came from that spot, so I'm going to play it in this way. There's not a lot of forethought on how the character was played. It's very flat. I think Brock is just very flatly written and very flatly executed. It's one of those situations where I would have liked to have seen him have some type of self-contradiction that would have been really Mm. nice but he seemed like a used car salesman throughout the whole movie Mm. and i know that's what eddie brock is in the comic books he's a shitty character he's very flatly written in the comic books so i know that but when you bring it to film i think that you need to round it out a little bit and he was not rounded out i don't think he adds to the movie i think and we're gonna we're gonna come back to yeah another shot and shot game is every time you mention spectacular Spider-Man that <laughs> and the Venom movie spoiled me a bit because yeah Eddie in both versions it's very different versions but the core is that Eddie does have that same struggle between light and dark that Peter yep. does he just chooses wrong exactly not in Venom he actually eventually comes around to choose right but. In Spectacular Spider-Man in this movie, he chooses wrong. But he does have that struggle. He's got no struggle here. He's just a douche from day one. Yeah. Well, and I think that that was what he was meant to be. It it comes down to the fact that, again, take your shot. There's too much going on in this movie. (laughs) I think in a movie that focused on Venom as the main villain... I think that they could have developed a more interesting version of this character. And I honestly really do think that Topher Grace could have done a really good job with that. I think that there, I I, I honestly really do think Topher Grace did as as well with it as he could. And I I like the casting of him. I think that he makes a good Eddie Brock. I just don't think that there was anything there from the writing for him to salvage. I honestly don't. Mm. But I've never felt that the casting was the problem for me. I actually think, I think he's a good Eddie Brock. I honestly do. And I, I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but because like for me Eddie like in the same way that Venom is meant to be the anti-Spider-Man Eddie Brock is the anti-Peter Parker you know they both are photographers they both work for the Daily Bugle they both have kind of a similar struggle with light and dark as you said Zach it's just that Eddie ultimately chooses Mm. dark and I think that Topher could have done that in a way that was really interesting had the writing allowed for that he's not actually in the movie very much like that's the thing I also forgot Like, like I watched the movie again like I remembered him being in the movie movie more than he actually is he's really not in the movie very much but again i think that with everything else going on in the movie i think sam raimi basically was like okay this is the storyline that i'm gonna kind of sacrifice on because it's clearly not the storyline that he wanted to do so he Mm -hmm. decided i think that there was a decision to purposely write him as a completely flat irredeemable bad guy Mm -hmm. from the beginning i think that that was the decision that they made because they just didn't have time for anything else which Mm -hmm. is a shame because 
all of the other villains in this entire trilogy, including in this movie, are somewhat sympathetic in a way. Even mm. Norman is somewhat sympathetic at times. And this is the only completely flat villain in this entire trilogy, in my opinion. Yep. I think it was on purpose because, again, I think that they realized that we just can't give Dimension, if we're doing three villains, we can't give Dimension to all three of them. So they had to choose two of them to give Dimension to, basically, I think is what it came down to. And, and Eddie just ended up being the one that got... Uh, short change but again I also agree with you Troy that of all the storylines in this movie if they were going to cut one major story in this movie the symbiote and venom that's what should have been cut from the movie yeah 100% Mm -hmm. I think that you could have made a strong Spider-Man 3 even with Harry and Sandman I think you could have actually done a strong Mm -hmm. Spider-Man 3 with those storylines I agree Mm -hmm. but the Eddie Brock Venom symbiote Spider-Man all of that should not have been a part of this film I'm also gonna kind of agree with you in just kind of hating Venom's it's not just that he's uh, shrimpy though I don't quite like that either it's not just that for some reason they decided to make him literally just the black suit but with Fang's face and these weird creepy yellow fingernails that don't look like they don't look threatening they're just gross again it's not just that it's not even just that he has this weird sounding voice that's like Venom is always supposed to be this kind of intimidating alien growl which doesn't happen here at all there's just some shrieking in the distance which is not really a Venom thing it's that He's just not very threatening. He's just not very threatening at all. And Venom is supposed to be goddamn scary. Uh, He's supposed to be this incredibly powerful physical threat. And here he's just kind of like, all right, so we're really worried about Sandman. And then Venom's kind of annoying until we get to the end here. So this is another instance where I'm going to have the hot take here. I actually visually enjoy the way they portrayed Venom. I honestly do. Um, I know, I know that everybody's going to have the reaction you're having, Zach. I know that I'm the only person on the planet that feels this way. I actually just liked what they did with him. I like the fact that he's like, I like the fact that he's this kind of weird, slinky, small, like kind of, kind of lanky thing, because like, this is also a version of it where we're never like, even if they had done Spider-Man 4, 5, and 6, we were never going to see Carnage in, in this universe, I feel yeah. So it's it's like there's nothing for him to really compare him to. So like why not kind of go for like sort of a Carnage type thing cuz like I know Carnage I think is a little bit, you know, lankier compared to Venom and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's like why not go for that? Like but it's a different type of symbiote. Carnage is different than than Venom. They're not the exact same. And that's mm-hmm. pushed in the I, comic. I get books. what you're saying, but like it, but it, well, I I understand that in the comics Venom is bigger mm-hmm. and bulkier, but it, it, it's it's an adaptation. Like who's to say mm-hmm. like the the filmmakers can decide what what the symbiote looks like for their version of it i feel like well there's also the visual problem that he looks a little too much like spider-man here where sure yes spider-man is brightly colored he's got the bright red accent on his suit the blue actually gets really dark in the night scenes um which is not a problem normally because again it it works fine especially during day scenes but in night scenes again this isn't normally a problem except when you have an identical design that he's fighting um that's also dark colored so that becomes a little hard to visually see 
see between the two, and it helps to have a distinctive design that he's fighting against. Yeah. Like, Green Goblin looks nothing like Spider-Man whatsoever. Venom really does look a lot like Spider-Man in this last ending. And he looks nothing like Venom. I actually like the fact that he looks like Spider-Man because, like... Which this is, is a problem because their fight is entirely in the dark. But Spider-Man is a bright colored red suit. I never had a hard time seeing them, <laughs> telling them apart personally. It's like, like, the, the red is, is yeah. way too distinctive to be to be mistaken for me. I just don't like the design. I understand that. I, I never got them visually confused in, in yeah. the scene personally. No, I, got, like, I, I never I, got them confused. Yeah. I, I like the fact that he looks like spider-man because he's just coming off of being the black suit so it's like he's fighting the black suit that he just tore off of himself like it, it's almost like he is fighting his anti-self as he's fighting yeah. venom i i like that i enjoy that that what the way they did that visually i thought it was actually kind of cool that the fact that they kind of combined the imagery of black suit spider-man with the imagery of venom because he's still recognizably venom with the eyes and the teeth and everything but i i don't know i enjoyed it i think that in a movie where they could have given venom more time to shine because he's not just shoehorned at the last second. I think that this would have, for me, been a version of Venom that I would have really liked. So I, I again, I, I know a lot of people feel the way you guys do, but I, I honestly really like the design. I really did. There's one thing about Venom I will say that I know is also what we're coming up on. So the scene where he recruits Sandman for the final battle really feels like they had no idea how to get these two storylines together and it's like, uh, sure, we'll have the fight. Side note, I realized that because he's bonded with Venom, uh, Eddie would know everything that Peter Parker knew. That's mm-hmm. okay, I get that. They also should have explained that a little better in the movie itself, because at some point you just kind of have to infer it. But one other thing that is weird is that he mentions, it's like, oh yes, Flint, I know he won't let you rescue your daughter. Peter didn't know that. How the hell does Eddie know that? It's it's a plot hole. Like, literally that entire yeah. scene is one massive plot hole where it's like, we had no idea how to get these storylines together. We're at the end of the movie. We'll just, we'll just jam them together. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. Going to, Troy, you're always talking about lazy writing. That was probably the laziest writing in the entire movie was that particular scene. Yeah, yes. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not going to even defend that scene a little bit. It's it's pretty awful. It's just a scene where you just have to take another bite of popcorn and another sip of Diet Cherry Coke. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. They're just trying to get these villains to team up, even though it doesn't actually make sense for them to team up. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to, which goes down yeah. to the fact that these vil- these those two villains should not have been in the same movie together. No, they should not. <laughs> well, what we so what we think of this climactic fight? I mean, I do. Okay, we're gonna come back to this. I do actually like the fact that Harry comes back and helps Peter. I thought that was cool. I honestly do. Like seeing Peter and Harry team up against Venom and Sandman. We got again. We got the two v two fight. It was kind of cool. Again, why are Venom and Sandman teaming up? That was the weird part of it. There's things about it. I kind of get the reason for it, and I realize that I this might not be the most popular opinion. The fact that it was a giant public fight at night where not a lot of bystanders were in danger, but they were all, like, just standing there, and there was a reporter giving us a blow-by-blow while the American flag waved in the background. That felt weird to me. I don't know. I... I can't even say what about it. It's, it's just, a superhero movie. It, it, it's a su- big superhero movie ending, but it's not a Spider-Man movie ending. This doesn't feel like a, the climax written by the same person who read the last two movies, even though it is. It was 2007, Go America. Yeah, again, I mentioned the last scene where, you know, I have to team them up for the climax. The entire climax kind of feels like, 
we gotta end this somehow. We'll make it a big, dumb spectacle when we'll give some America rah-rah, whatever, <laughs> all the popular stuff, because we it just works. gotta tie this all up somehow. Yep. That's just my thoughts on it. And MJ is the damsel once again. It's like, all right, you know, we don't know how to tie MJ back into this. So, okay, we'll have everyone be there to save MJ. I'm like, come on. <laughs> a lot of this movie is Sam Raimi doing his absolute best with a really bad decision. And this climax kind yep. of feels to me like, okay, he gave up a little bit. Like, the ending itself is fine and good and classic, but the climax, he did not phone in most of this movie. He really did try. He put in the work. Climax, I feel, is where he did phone in a little bit. I can see that. I, I don't know if it feels phoned in to me, but it's it's a weaker climax. It it doesn't feel phoned in to me as much as it just feels like they Let's just didn't know how to bring these storylines together. Yes. And they and yep. they and they ju- and they just did it the best they could. I mean, that's how I feel. There's some mm-hmm. cheesy dialogue with the reporters and everything, but there like, has there's to always be. a little bit of campy. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was fine. Yeah, I was I was okay with that. I think they did the best. I think the climax is is let's get this shit over with. Come on, let's end this movie. It's formula. Yeah. yeah. I liked the Peter and Harry team up. That's the highlight of the climax for me. Yeah. Yeah. That is also why I I kind of agree with you, Troy. I think there's a version of this movie that could have worked that had both Harry and Sandman. Because having the two of them team up against a common enemy would have actually been a cool way to end this movie. It would have been. Mm -hmm. I do like that the butler came to Harry and set him straight. And I do like that Harry had to pay with his life. Because there comes a Mm -hmm. certain point where you're not redeemable unless you pay with your life. And that came down to mm-hmm. Harry. Yeah. I think that Harry's sacrifice to save everyone is him being redeemed. And I think that's the only way that he would have been redeemed. So it's beautiful. Good job, Darth Vader. I mean, Anakin. I mean, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I do actually like the, you know, callback where it's like he he died the same way that his father died, but for a very different reason. Yeah. I actually like that, too. I like the parallel that he was pierced by his own glider the same yes. way, but he did it because he chose to do it. He's not trying to kill Peter. He's trying to save Peter as the is the opposite. It it's the same the result from the opposite action. Yeah. He doesn't mm-hmm. end as his father. He breaks that cycle. As I said, was one of my favorite lines in the last movie I will not die a monster absolutely Harry did not yeah yeah and that and that goes to again the larger theme of this movie which does even tie into the symbiote storyline is is struggling with you know the the best part of yourself versus the worst part of yourself Harry has usually chosen the bad part of himself in most of the decisions he's made I like the fact that at the end he chooses to be good as far as the butler scene goes I like on the subject of weird retcons I thought it was a weird retcon that his butler somehow knew that the information the entire time it never told Harry (laughs) it's like what you never told him until now that (laughs) yeah the entire time i'm thinking it's like if we're gonna pretend that he knew this harry should logically fire his butler it's like you saw me going through all of that and you didn't think at any point while i'm going through that you should tell me he's right you know your father did kill himself you know before i strap on a glider suit and try to kill peter you were fine with me just killing peter for no good reason what the hell? Which is why I still say that the uh, butler was jacking him up with the sauce. I wouldn't doubt it. And he had a change of heart. That's what I think. So, of course, while Harry is dying, of course, because they have so many storylines to wrap up, they cut away to the, the extended scene of Peter talking to Flint. 
Flint explaining, oh, oh, I didn't mean to kill your uncle. It's like, oh, I forgive you. And the whole time it's like, Harry's still dying, like, downstairs. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Those, just... those two scenes should have been flipped. Um, yeah, because oh, they just, like, it's really weirdly placed. It's like, okay, so this conversation does not is not urgent. Harry dying is pretty urgent. So this conversation is important, not urgent. Go to Harry dying. Then come back to this conversation after he's dead and there's nothing more to be done. But it goes back to the fact that Sandman shouldn't have killed Uncle Ben to begin with. And we didn't need resolution on I something agree. because it didn't need to be a story of the movie yep. to begin with. You know? No. no. Nope. You're right. It you're wasn't right. needed. You're right. I think it's total bullshit. I also find the line, you know, it's like, I'm not asking for forgiveness. Hilarious. It's like, you are literally not leaving until he forgives you. What oh, the fuck, man? You, of course you're asking for forgiveness. You oh, goddamn God. asshole. I like the imagery of him realizing that he has done wrong and fading away into the sunset on a gust of sand, just deciding to let himself drift off to wherever he's going to go. But the rest of the scene is bullshit. And it, yeah. yeah, again, centers on the fact that he shouldn't have killed Uncle Ben. That was a bad writing decision. I agree. I like the fact that he's the one villain in the trilogy who doesn't die. And that's actually something mm-hmm. that in any, in any version of this movie i would have kept that i actually like the fact that he lives and i i also mm-hmm. agree that i like that image of him floating away yeah harry's death like we kind of touched on er- earlier the fact that i think i think mj's reaction to harry's death considering the fact that he just threatened her bullshit. like yesterday is a little bit weird but i think it's bullshit the one thing that i'll, I'll give this movie there is nothing that they set up in spider-man 2 that wasn't technically addressed and mm-hmm. sort of at least attempted to be resolved in this movie. This is a resolution to Harry's storyline. Yes. I think it that is. it would have felt more it would have felt more satisfying if we had gotten more development of that story over mm-hmm. the course of this movie. But this is definitely a resolution of Harry's storyline. Yeah. I, I I like the funeral scene. I like the narration over mm-hmm. the funeral scene. It just again, it it, it doesn't hit as hard emotionally as it could just given because the fact that, that I just don't feel like take that one scene out and it is sad that's how I feel and I, I think I did feel sad when I watched this movie for the first time because I, I had gotten attached to the Harry character but like it, it, it still feels like I don't know it's it's weird mm. it, 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 there's too fucking much in this movie once again <laughs> <laughs> shots I just want to touch really briefly on the MJ Peter scene at the very very end of the movie Movie. Oh, okay. Because, like, mm-hmm. I want to come mm-hmm. back to this. Do we think that that scene is them starting a romantic relationship again, or is it just them kind of forgiving each other or maybe being friends going forward? Or what? I think what, they're what, done. What, what? I think they're done. Yeah. I like the ambiguity. Yeah, I like the ambiguity. <laughs> um, but I was actually happier with the ending here than I was happier with the second one because at least they're going to take some time to think about it. You know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think they're done. That's what I like to think. And I just, I love that he's not rewarded the girl in the end. I like that whatever it eventually becomes, a few things are very clear. That they don't hate each other anymore, but things are also not okay. Yes. Uh, If they're going to get a back in a relationship, there's going to be a lot of work ahead. If they're not going to get back in a relationship, that'll give them time to be apart. Maybe this is where the relationship ends and this is them just, you know, ending it with a song. And if that's the case, fine. That's actually very beautiful. I actually suspected that might be the arc from, you know, my interpretation of the ending of the second one. But yeah, I actually like this very much. I like, as I said, 
I like the ambiguity. I, I agree. I like the ambiguity. I, I like to believe that they get back together because I, I'm I'm apparently the only one in this group that kind of roots for this couple. Because I, I, I think that it's it's <laughs> them ultimately coming together and for, forgiving each other, but everything's not okay. But mm. I think that it could be or it could not be. And I, I actually would totally mm. also accept a version of this where we do find out that they did not remain together romantically, but... I think that these two people are very important to each other, and I think that that will always be the case. I think that they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're always going to love each other. Whether they're always going to be a couple yep. is the, the question, but like that that's kind of the way I view the ending, is that these are two people who still very much love each other and very much care for each other. And I like to believe mm. that they get together, but I also like the ambiguity, and I, I would accept I, either interpretation. I remember like watching the movie for the first time, being surprised, oh, we're not going to get like, a, you know, a kiss, or like he's not going to mm. propose to her then, you know, after having the ring the whole movie, but I, I've grown to really like the fact that that's not the case, that they yeah. just... She's not a present to be one things are not completely okay but they're starting to heal they're they're something is starting to heal there so i enjoyed that but yes let's go ahead and go on into overall thoughts zach why don't you start us off so yeah this was one possibly two good movies that then got another movie that nobody wanted to be in there except the studio like haphazardly jammed in there and Sam Raimi did the best he could. I don't think there is a director who could have really made this work. And I really do mean that because they really did the best that anyone could. There are a lot of good moments. J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson is fantastic at always, including having like one of my favorites, you know, one-off lines, just the shut up, get out. (laughs) Just love the... I don't know why. I just just love how that works. Yeah, the Sandman scene where he first becomes Sandman's is gorgeous. And main scenes are great. And the overall plot line with the Sandman and, you know, Harry's story is great. I don't think anything involving Venom worked uh, whatsoever in this movie. And that's clearly because Sam Raimi didn't want to do it. It's a mess. It's a beautiful mess at times, but it is just a mess. And I like it, but there's a reason it is absolutely the weakest of the trilogy and one of the weakest Spider-Man movies ever made. I'm going to have to give it a 6 out of 10 because, again... There's some things I like, and the parts where it's well-made are really well-made, but it's a mess, and that's not even Sam Raimi's fault. That's not any of the actors' fault. That's the studio's fault, and they did the best they could. My favorite scene in this movie is the maitre d scene yes so good yes it is <laughs> it is one of the most vaudevillian uh scenes ever and every time i watch this scene every time i watch this movie i tend to forget about the maitre d scene it has bruce campbell in it and he there's all this confusion it's in just the right spot in the movie and i i truly enjoy that scene that's my favorite scene of the movie it makes me giggle it makes me smile it makes my soul happy because i'm that vaudevillian actor and i love seeing bruce campbell and it's just beautiful with that said they tried the movie was hard it's hard to watch, and I know it was hard to make. They put a lot of work into it. It's still an above-average movie. We as fans, we tend to talk about a movie like, oh, it's shit, and we never give it a second thought. And, and fans, toxic fans, they don't think about all the work and sweat and blood and tears that go into a movie. And I love Sam Raimi. 
I love Sam Raimi so much, but the movie is hard to watch. So with everything that went into it, I have problems with some of the designs. I don't like Venom's design. I don't like Topher Grace as Brock. But that's a personal choice. I think that everyone that came into this film gave their A-game. I don't think anyone called it in. I don't I don't think anybody gave it a half-assed challenge. So I give the movie about a six and a half out of 10 because it is still above average. Um, there's only a couple of parts where the VFXs are janky. They challenge themselves in a couple of the scenes and you know they did. There's less of the Spider-Man, CG Spider-Man just flying through the air. And, and so I know that they challenge themselves. There's some really good writing and we go on this beautiful journey of uh, looking for our shadow. You know, Carl Jung always talked about our shadow, the darkness of ourselves, and we all have that inside us. And the movie is all about laying that to rest, not overcoming it, but accepting our darkness. So I can see how the symbiote is used in that sense, because the people that have the symbiote are really supposed to be handling it, and the people that don't have the symbiote are going through the same thing. All of the main characters are going through the same thing. Not the same problem, but they're all having to try to accept their darkness. And so that part is beautiful. I love the idea of forgiveness. I love the idea of forgiveness. I'm not a forgiving person. I never have been. Uh, I'm a Sith. Forgiveness is a lie. Mercy is a lie. <laughs> there is no peace. There is no mercy. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so six and a half out of ten. And thank you, everyone, for your work in this movie. Absolutely. When people ask me, what's your guilty pleasure movie? I very often say Spider-Man 3, and I I don't tend to have guilty pleasure movies because I think if you like a movie, there's no reason to feel guilty about it. Yeah. The reason I say Spider-Man 3 is because I know this movie sucks. I know it's a hot mess of a movie. Yeah. I still like mm-hmm. watching it. I honestly do, <laughs> despite all the issues that this movie has. Look, it's still Sam Raimi Spider-Man. It's still Tobey Maguire. It does wrap up the trilogy. It's not as it satisfactory of a wrap-up as I mm-hmm. would have liked, but it completely wraps up it the does. trilogy. Every loose end that was left at the end of Spider-Man 2 was actually tied off in this movie. It actually was. Mm-hmm. The, the whole Harry storyline was concluded. I think the Peter MJ storyline ended in a really interesting place. Yep. Sandman, you could make an argument for, could, could definitely could have been in this movie. He definitely didn't need to be Uncle Ben's killer. I thought that was a terrible no. retcon. Venom should not have been in this movie. If you're going to do a symbiote Spider-Man, I actually agree with you, Trey. I think you can do Venom in two movies. I think one movie with symbiote Spider-Man and then one movie with Venom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe do a third movie with Carnage if you want to do a trilogy, yeah. but, you know, just do it do it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. But in, in a symbiote movie, you could have had Eddie Brock as a character in the movie to set him up type thing. I just think that, again, the whole Venom thing felt so shoehorned in the movie. The, the Venom storyline is the weakest part of the entire movie. I'm, I'll, I'll go and say that. I think it's the weakest part of the entire movie. I like yeah. some aspects of the symbiote Spider-Man story. I still don't think that it was explored as deeply as it could have been, but... I like some 
some aspects of that storyline, but the Venom, like Venom himself and Eddie Brock and Eddie Brock becoming Venom was completely poorly handled. Again, I'm the only person, I like Venom's design. I like Topher Grace's Eddie Brock. I just think that the character wasn't written as, you know, well as he could have been written because of how rushed the movie was. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna overall agree with both of you guys. I'm actually gonna give it a six also because I think that I've seen actually bad movies in in this genre before this is not a Catwoman situation or an Electra <laughs> situation <laughs> like it's it's not like one of those movies where it's just this is just a shitty ass movie this movie mm-hmm. really does have a lot of positive elements to it again a lot of the humor with J. Jonah Jameson frankly a lot of the humor with you know emo Parker like I know it, it gets made fun of a lot but it is funny and a lot of it is meant to be funny a lot of the stuff we haven't we barely talked about the landlord but a lot of the scenes with the landlord I really love in this movie where he believes in him yes one of my favorite beats in the movie is actually when Peter yells at him and the landlord says he is a good boy yes I'm worried for him he might be in trouble I like that because up until this point he's been kind of like one dimensional and right there you see oh this is actually a more complex character than we originally yeah. thought he is he's a caring man yep. yeah he just is not great at showing it sometimes can I tell you a little secret Sam yes Catwoman is one of my guilty pleasures <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> Uh, (laughs) we'll do it on here Um, (laughs) i have never told anybody that (laughs) my wife knows it and that's it it's my little secret (laughs) but i I you know what i i I mentioned that the same breath as electra i would rather watch catwoman than electra i will say that uh, i agree with you electra electra i literally turned off in the middle like i couldn't even finish that movie Catwoman does have a little bit of like kind of an ironic enjoyment like it almost has kind of a so bad it's good quality to it yeah, yeah. Um, so you yeah. you can enjoy it on that level Cat- but Catwoman for all that it's bad it is also playing with itself a little like it's not taking itself the most seriously out of these no. movies yeah. which sometimes works sometimes really works and then yeah I won't give it a high times, rating uh, but yeah no like it's it's not a good movie, but I can see I can see but it. But it's fun to watch. Yeah. When that kind of goes back to this movie, like as as many problems as mm. I have with this movie, I'm never bored when I'm watching this movie. I'm always yeah. entertained the whole time. True. Which I mean, mm. I is is kind of the most important thing when you're making a movie like this. It's like, is it fun? This movie is fun. Like it's very fun mm-hmm. to watch, and I think that that's a big reason why it gets as high of a score as it does for me. So I'm thankful for this this trilogy. I think that this is a really like like this is obviously the weakest of the trilogy, but I think as a trilogy, it actually is strong. I yeah. I really do enjoy it what is. Sam Raimi uh, crafted with these movies, and I'm very thankful for these movies, even the third one. And I'm I'm very much like the one thing I'm gonna kind of tie in with No Way Home is that whether or not Toby's actually in the movie or not, or Andrew Garfield's in the movie or not, I'm very much looking forward to seeing some of the villains from Me this too. trilogy. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. show up because we obviously know for sure Doc Ock and Green Goblin from the trailer, so we know at least we're gonna get those guys. But having said all that, Zach, where can the folks find you? The folks can find me on Facebook as Zachariah Schneider. They can find me on Twitter as Zachariah Schnet Four, Zachariah S C H N E Four, 
And they can find me on the Instagrams at TheZamin, T-H-E-Z-A-M-M-I-N. You can find me on Facebook under Troy Hensley, on Instagram under Troy Hensley. You can find me on TikTok under the Troy Hensley and Twitter under the Troy Hensley. If you would like to check out some of my goofy videos and get ready for my new show coming up, well, my second season of my show, Three Funny Dudes, you can walk on a over to YouTube and you can subscribe to Meadow Wolf Films and that is M-E-A-D-O-W-O-L-F Films. I do hope that you'll go over there and maybe check out some of my funny stuff that I have there. We have new stuff coming out very soon. I'm Sam Wilson. You can follow me on Instagram at scwilson underscore actor. That's sc for cat, W-I-L-S-O-N underscore A-C-T-O-R. You can follow my band Running Riot at Running Riot Band on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow Nerd Shit at the Nerd Shit Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at the Nerd Shit on Twitter. We release episodes weekly. Make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. We're on a lot of platforms at this point. Please send us a review. Give us a star rating. Send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Like, let us know how you're feeling about. Please slide into our DMs, everybody. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But no, seriously, like we want to hear, we want to hear feedback from you guys, positive, negative. I've gotten some feedback about our, uh, our, our audio not being as strong as it, as it could be that, which prompted us to kind of make some upgrades there. So I'm hoping that this episode mm-hmm. set, sounded stronger than some of our previous ones. We do take requests. Once we start getting, getting more, um, audience interactions going on, I'm definitely going to start putting polls up. As far as what you guys would like to see us review next, because I want for you guys to be a part of our, our, our the, the discussion and be a part mm-hmm. of what we we kind of do going in, in mm-hmm. the future and have you guys have some agency with that. And as as Chief Palpatine says, I love democracy. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of Star Wars, that's going to be our next week's topic. It's going to be Star Wars Visions, which just came out. Uh, they did all the episodes at once on Disney+, Plus, so we're going to go ahead and watch those, and uh, we're going to go ahead and review them on this on this channel next week. So stay tuned for that, our review of Star Wars Visions, and also our review for Venom, Let There Be Carnage is going to come very soon as well. For Zack Schneider and Troy Hensley, I'm Sam Wilson. Thank you for joining us for Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Stay Shitty nerds. Nerd shit, nerd shit. So strap on in because we're talking about the nerd shit.